It's the South's biggest deal for AJC podcast listeners. For a limited time, subscribe and you'll get digital access to the AJC for $1.99 per week. For life, as long as you keep your subscription. That's our sports and politics coverage, breaking news and in-depth investigations, food and dining, and more from AJC.com every day for life. You'll also unlock access to our app, exclusive films, events, and newsletters. Subscribe now by going to AJC.com slash start. That's AJC.com slash start for new subscribers only. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song. A celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-Hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. You are listening to Breakdown, an exclusive podcast by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This season, Predator MD, part of the Journal-Constitution's special investigative project, Doctors and Sex Abuse. You can learn more about the project and this podcast at ajcbreakdown.com. Previously on Breakdown. I don't think he received any punishment whatsoever. I don't think that probation is any punishment. We did not believe that count one was provable as a felony, which is a minimum mandatory of 25 years. Why did you agree to the to the plea deal from Fulton County? That's what the lawyer advised me to do. And I just don't know why they can't stop him. They should be stopping him. It just keeps going. Tuesday, September 6th, 2011. The plea hearing. Dr. Narendra Gupta has just admitted to preying on his female patients. In exchange, Superior Court Judge Sean LaGrua gave him a gift. No jail. All he had to do, really, was leave the country, promise to quit being a doctor forever, and it was all over. But the judge still gave him a talking to. She warned him, don't go anywhere near the victims or their families. Don't be alone around any girl younger than 18 who's not your relative. Surrender your medical license immediately and don't you dare ask the state medical board for a hearing. This all comes from the hearing transcript, the only record we have of what was said in court that day. I don't know how much Judge LaGrua knew about the background of the case. I tried to talk to her for this podcast, but judges rarely account to the press or public for what they do. And Judge LaGrua was no exception. But I do know LaGrua is considered a sharp judge. She'd been on the bench just over a year at that point, and prior to that, she'd been a career criminal prosecutor. So when she gave Gupta her final admonitions that day, we have to assume she knew the limitations of the deal. In fact, she tipped her hand. Again, I'll have to read you what she said. Quote, The only reason I'm accepting this sentence is because he will never have another patient, ever. And by signing this, in my mind, this is akin to a civil contract, along with a probation. Because I only have jurisdiction for 36 months. But because I'm accepting this, you're agreeing to give up your ability to practice medicine here or anywhere else permanently. Not for 36 months, permanently. End quote. That part about 36 months is important, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. Then, as if to put him in his place, she asked, Do you understand that, Mr. Gupta? Mr. Gupta said, Yes. Gurgaon, India, a financial industrial hub, just outside the capital city of New Delhi. 
Guess what we found Mr. Gupta up to these days? My name is Dr. Narendra Gupta. I'm the medical director of the Diabetes Hypertension Center. I am a nephrologist, internist, and a world specialist in diabetes and hypertension. I came back four years ago from the United States. Yes, Mr. Gupta is Dr. Gupta again, now practicing in India. Crystal Douglas, one of the Atlanta victims. Wow, that says a lot. That speaks volumes about our criminal justice system. Welcome to episode six of Breakdown, Predator MD. We've reached the point where Dr. Vinny Gupta's trail ends. We tracked him to a clinic outside New Delhi on the opposite side of the world. Then we teamed up with an Indian journalist. She confronted the doctor face to face about his history and why he's violating the pledge that allowed him to walk free. They don't have jurisdiction about that at all. Do you at least acknowledge the, the fact that the, you have this history? I, I, it's a 10-year-old story. It's been settled. And I don't know what is your problem now. Here's the problem now. For the women Gupta abused, it doesn't matter if it happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago. When a doctor turns a medical examination into sexual battery, the patient has to live with that violation for the rest of her life. I'll give you the full rundown on our interview with Gupta later. First, I need to tell you about the deal that enabled Gupta to walk. So, start by closing your eyes. Imagine you're in space, looking back at planet Earth. Not too hard, right? If you can do that, then you've done more than the judge and prosecutors on this case did. They never stepped back enough to see past their own borders. We were interested in getting him out of the country so he wouldn't harm anybody else here. That's Fulton County District Attorney Paul Howard, who signed off on the plea deal. Instead of trying the case, Howard and his team made a bargain. A bargain with a man who had been molesting women in his exam rooms for years. One of them a 17-year-old high school student. I don't even know whether or not we gave any thought that this guy would try to go and start practicing again. They absolved Gupta of a charge that carried decades of jail time and a spot on the sex offender registry. They took a U.S. citizen who committed crimes on U.S. soil and let him return to his country of birth to live comfortably in some other society, among some other community with families, women, and girls. Every developed nation has struggled with the phenomenon of physicians and sexual abuse to some extent. But in India, justice for victims of sexual harassment or assault is particularly elusive. Rates of reporting of sexual crimes are low. Dr. Paramita Chattaraj is a law professor at KIIT University in Bhubaneswar, India and an expert on Indian rape laws and gender justice. There is a staunch and a very strong sense of stigma attached to rape and sexual offenses. In India, there is an inherent uh, idea of dignity or modesty of a woman, which is almost sacred to a woman. And that it is a strong belief that if any man tries to fondle with that dignity or modesty, actually it is not just the woman who is uh, disgraced, but the whole family's reputation is disgraced, which has uh, an implication on uh, marriage prospects of other girls of the family, because girls' marriage is a big thing in India. Here's Latoya Kelly one of three women Gupta admitted to abusing while he practiced in Atlanta. I actually, honestly, feel sorry for the women in India that will and have come in contact with him. Gupta has gone back to putting videos on the web and showing off his honors, accomplishments, and rave reviews. 
the same kinds of advertising tactics that drew LaToya in all those years ago. Based off of what I know, those women don't stand a chance. This is from a spot Gupta recorded for a company that helps businesses maximize their internet reach. Today, I'm on the first page of search all the time. And 40% of my patients come because of people reading on the net. So I have to get my presence felt because it's no good if I'm good that people don't know who I am. You know, a business without publicity is like winking at a girl in the darkness. You know what you are doing, but nobody else does. On one of his profile pages, Gupta says he is equally famous in Canada and in the US, and that professionally, 2009 was Dr. Narendra Gupta's year because he was awarded two prestigious honors. That, of course, was the year he was arrested twice for sexually abusing patients. He's also seeing patients at GNH Hospital in Gurgaon. The hospital's website says he returned to India to benefit patients with his immense experience, and that Gupta believes patients need a doctor who becomes their friend and is in constant touch. Crystal Douglas says she wishes prosecutors had asked her to testify against Gupta. Maybe he wouldn't still be in business. He's an Indian man. I'm not surprised that he can open a business there. He's amongst his people. So I can imagine it would be easier for him to open a business there. But, I mean, he has to be stopped. They have to know what he did here. They have to know. If they don't know, they should know. But of course, they don't. Here's more of the conversation I had with the elected official who authorized the plea deal, District Attorney Paul Howard. I approached him outside a county commission meeting after months of unanswered interview requests. He told me he wanted me to come to his office the next week to talk about the case, but we had a brief chat right then. Where is the doctor now? Well, that's exactly what I wanted to talk to you about. Um, the, uh, the plea deal he had was that he would never practice medicine again and that he would leave the country. Right. He is back in India practicing medicine. He's back in India? Yes, sir. Wow. I guess he figured you know, out of, out of face that we wouldn't, uh, we never, we wouldn't see him again. Well, I don't know. That was one of my questions is how you were going to enforce that plea deal. If he went back to India, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I think it was, it was the plea also said that he would, he should leave the country. Right. So if he left the country, yeah, I see what you mean. I'm surprised. I wonder whether or not the Indian, um, whether the medical authorities even know that he uh, has a record. There's no indication that anyone from Howard's office ever relayed a warning to any Indian medical authorities. I'm gonna call the U.S. Embassy and see what, what has to happen okay. to alert the Indian authorities okay. that this guy's been convicted, you know, because they might not know. Going back to what you said about getting him out of the country, would, mm -hmm. would there be any consideration, though, that even in another country, there'd still be women he could abuse? See, that's what I'm saying. I didn't, we, we were thinking, um, you know, and I guess we were thinking that that ban would be forever, forever he went, you know. And, um, but I don't know if we gave a lot of thought to well, what would happen if he went to England, if he went to back to India, how would we enforce it? And I don't know whether or not we thought that through, but I'll find out when I look through the file. Like I said before, Mr. Howard later canceled the podcast interview and wouldn't reschedule or do a phone interview. As for what he said about that ban being forever, well, it was supposed to be. For all practical purposes, though, the ban dissolved as soon as Gupta's plane left U.S. airspace. He didn't even wait for his probation to end before going back on his word. Going by one of his Facebook posts, 
He appears to have resumed practicing medicine right around the time he relocated to India in early 2012, within months of the plea hearing. There's nothing Howard or his office can do about it now. There's nothing any American authorities can do. Even if Gupta were still within three years of sentencing, which he's not, but speaking hypothetically, a county DA's office has no jurisdiction in a foreign country. J. Tom Morgan is a criminal defense attorney and a former DA in metropolitan Atlanta. Hypothetically, if the 36 months, the clock is still ticking, okay? Right. Then his probation can be revoked because he's practicing medicine. Condition of his probation is that he not practice medicine. You would have to go on Interpol, you would have to do a extradition warrant from another country, which we did in a Catholic priest case. I tell you, it's very hard and very time-consuming, and I've never seen it done on a misdemeanor. In fact, Interpol probably would not even put anyone on their list for a misdemeanor. But once this probation is over with, you, you have no authority. I mean, he can enter in all the contracts he wants. The only authority the court has is during the time he's on probation or parole. It wouldn't have taken any brushing up on state or international law to see that this plea bargain was a bad deal. We have no evidence that Gupta's pattern of abuse has continued in India. Let me repeat that. We don't have any evidence of that. But as a precaution, and if Howard's office had been thinking globally, it might also have checked on the conventional wisdom on recidivism. I asked Gary Schoner, a clinical psychologist and an expert on sexual abuse, about the odds that a serial predator who had repeatedly escaped any major repercussions would finally mend his ways. Well, extremely low, it just to be about zero. Unless one believes in miracles, and I do acknowledge there, <laughs> I can't refute that miracles occur, but this would appear to require the belief in a miracle, to believe that someone who's done this and is still afloat, sort of, is going to go and change in a situation where he's got even possibly less oversight. So, Canada made Gupta Ohio's problem. Ohio made him Atlanta's problem. Now, we've made him India's problem. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. For episode six of this podcast, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution needed eyes and ears on the ground in New Delhi and Gurgaon. Meet Davika Bakshi, a local freelance reporter and radio producer who previously worked for NPR's Delhi Bureau. Davika wanted to find out the same thing about her country as I wanted to find out about Georgia. With all of Dr. Gupta's history, with the legal charges against him, the suspension of his privileges in Ohio, the news reports about his arrests in Atlanta, how did he manage to move back to Delhi and just set up shop? It turns out the nation of India has had some breakdowns of its own. 
Doctors in India are regulated by a national body called the Medical Council of India, but they're also required to register with the local medical council in the state where they practice. Plus, hospitals typically vet doctors before putting them on staff. And yet, Dr. Gupta seems to have slipped through the cracks. One of the things that made that possible was that when he returned to India from the United States, he didn't have to apply for a medical license. He already had one, the same one he was issued in 1977 when he graduated from medical school in a different state. So when Dr. Gupta returned to Delhi and registered with the Delhi Medical Council, he had to submit only his photo ID, his academic certificates, his original license from that other state, but no job history. The Indian Medical Register shows no complaints or any record of disciplinary action taken against him. So there's really nothing on the record to set off an alarm. Here's Dr. K.K. Agarwal the president of the Indian Medical Association. All those people who get convicted in the U.S. or in any other country, they just resign, come back to India and start practicing. We are aware of many such cases. Unless there is a complaint, we don't bother about what he has done in the U.S. Unless there is a complaint through the council or unless the international council writes to us, then we investigate the case. But we will not believe in their reports unless we investigate it. Gupta has two clinics, one in Delhi, another in Gurgaon. Though it's next door to Delhi, Gurgao is actually in the state of Haryana. Gupta told Devika that he isn't even registered in Haryana. That could get him in some hot water, at least in theory. Gupta's Gurgao clinic is in the basement suite of his home, in a quiet neighborhood set apart from the high-rises and frantic pace of life in the city. Devika dropped in on a Saturday evening. She found his clinic bustling with activity, patients moving in and out of the waiting room. Gupta told her to come back for an interview the next day. For most of that second visit, Gupta questioned her credentials. Then he ran her out of his office. I must know who am I talking to, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this is uh, a business card or some ID, some kind of proof. Who do you represent? Well, right now I'm an independent journalist, so I, I'm writing this on a freelance basis for the Indian Express and working with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. She offered to put him on the phone with editors of both outlets. He declined. How do you represent Atlanta General Constitution here? I am working as a freelancer for them. I'm sorry, doctor, are you comfortable doing this interview or not? No, unless I know who am I talking to, why would I talk to somebody? I have a right too. I mean, I have certain rights too. Sure, but so do patients. Devika managed to ask the big question. Well, doctor, part of the plea bargain was that you would never practice medicine again, and you are practicing no, medicine is, again. It was, they don't have jurisdiction about that at all. The court does not have jurisdiction that I would not practice anywhere. That was very clear. They don't have any jurisdiction. So, but did you apply for a registration yes, in, in Haryana? A, no, Gurgaon. I'm in, in Delhi. Okay, Med you have a Delhi Medical Council registration. Yes, yes. And did you register in Haryana? No, I haven't. Okay, so on the registration forms, there is a... Question 10 on the registration form is uh, an, uh, an opportunity to disclose if you have any previous history that would reflect poorly on your uh, career as a physician. Did you disclose your history, your legal history in Atlanta when you were applying for no. registration? Okay. And did you disclose that history when you See, were applying for a consultation position in GNH? See, you are not the MCI or Indian Council or anything like that. Right. Yeah, you know, you are a freelance reporter. Yeah, right. And that's what, what you are. You can't 
जस्ट कम एंड ट्रस्ट योर वे एंड स्टार्ट डिक्टेटिंग कि इसका लॉ है उसका लॉ ऐसे है उसे यू आर नॉट दी एनफोर्सिंग एजेंसीज आई एम नॉट एनफोर्सिंग एनीथिंग यू आर टेलिंग मी ऑल दी एनफोर्सिंग एजेंसीज आई एम आस्किंग यू क्वेश्चन अबाउट वेदर यू आर प्रॉपर्ली रजिस्टर्ड इन आई डोंट आई मीन आई डोंट ट्रस्ट यू यू आर ओके एट दैट पॉइंट गुप्त शोटर द डोर Dr. Sunita Simon Kripad is a professor of psychiatry and medical ethics at St. John's Medical College in Bangalore. If you're not fit to practice medicine in US, you're not fit to practice medicine in India or anywhere in the world. Dr. Kripad co-chaired an Indian Psychiatric Society task force that drafted guidelines on sexual boundaries for doctors. Gupta, Dr. Kripad said, should have disclosed his problems in America to the Indian Medical Council and asked for permission before he resumed practicing. At the very least the council could have required safeguards like mandatory chaperones. Devika asked her about Atlanta, about the judge and prosecutors who exported their problem. I think uh, 20 years ago if you asked me this question I would have uh, been up in arms and I'd have said, you know, how dare something like this happen? It is terrible. I've uh, over time become far less judgmental only because I realized that this issue is so hard i'm in no way condoning what has happened i think uh, what happened in us was bad and i think they were trying to do what they can to resolve the issue so i do not uh, look at it as you know they actively exported the problem to india but rather this unfortunately the minority of people who are you know with extreme behavior they are usually one step ahead of the law and everybody else but for me the larger issue is what can you do now back here in the US gupta's victims have to keep living with what he did to them being sexually molested isn't something you just shrug off it changes you it changes the way you think the way you process the world around you it shatters your self esteem you don't trust people as much anymore you blame yourself and obsess over whether you could have stopped it or stopped it from happening to other people. Crystal Douglas said that after Gupta violated her, she started spending more time at church. I prayed a lot. I had to work on forgiving myself. It took me a little while to do that. I didn't beat myself up too bad, but you know, I I had to really say to myself this wasn't your fault this wasn't your fault he's a dog and it wasn't your fault and he's going to pay for what he did one day whether it be from you or somebody else and i just had to really convince myself of that when you when you would pray as you were coping for this what were you praying for peace calm forgiveness strength learning to love myself again which i did which i do forgiving yourself or forgiving him. No, I should have asked to forgive him. <laughs> I never asked for that. I didn't. I asked to forgive myself for allowing him to invade my personal space like that. He 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 invaded my temple. He violated my temple cuz I consider my body a temple and he invaded that and I let him do it. She also talked to someone else about it. her teenage daughter I told her what happened and I told her what the doctors should not be doing when she goes to an appointment that has nothing to do with you know her her private area if it has nothing to do with that then the doctor should not be touching you there at all and so we had that conversation 
after it happened. Because I think she was still in high school when it happened. Thoughts of what Gupta did still torture Marjorie Jacobs, the nurse attacked in a darkened room in Ohio in 1994. She remembers the rumors flying while she worked at the hospital, hearing co-workers gossiping in the cafeteria about some horrible woman ruining Dr. Gupta's life. She remembers relatives telling her to get over it, to just do her job. She remembers finding out about the other nurse in Lima, finding out about the other women in Atlanta, and finding out just recently about Dr. Gupta still practicing to this day. I just feel like I'm the one in prison. I just feel like I'm the one that is always in chains. I mean, because he's the one that's put the burden on me. I still have feelings of guilt and I still have feelings of anger and I still feel guilty because I didn't come forward sooner. Gupta's former receptionist, the Russian immigrant who lasted three months working in his office, never told her family what the doctor did to her after office hours back in 2008. She was too humiliated at the time to file a police report. She never talked to anyone except a local police detective following Gupta's arrest a year later. Before she spoke to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for this podcast, she finally told one person close to her, her fiancé. She broached the subject with him in late 2016, during the presidential campaign, when multiple women had gone public accusing frontrunner Donald Trump of groping or forcibly kissing them. I think in the, in the wake of the election, and I, I mean, I'm not taking sides here, um, but there's so many women that are coming forward with allegations. And we actually, myself and my fiance, we had this discussion about, he was saying that, you know, I, he doesn't know if those were all true or not. And I was like, you know what, I believe them. I really believe those women. I think it took them a long time to come forward because of the same thing that I went through. It took me a long time to talk to you and to talk to anybody about this. And that's the same thing for them. And, and I think they're all saying the truth. And I think sexual assault is really prevalent in our society. Just so many people don't talk about it. And the government not taking this seriously is, is uh, obviously only contributing to the problem. During her brush with the criminal justice system over Gupta, she applied to law school. She's an attorney now. I asked her what she would tell a younger version of herself if she came to her as a client, saying she'd been given an unnecessary, unchaperoned breast exam by her doctor employer. I would tell them to call 911 because it's a criminal matter. For LaToya Kelly and Terry Davis, the stress of the abuse incidents, the lawsuit, the criminal case, LaToya's pregnancy complications, and the death of a baby daughter drew them closer. I literally went from a child to an adult real quick, overnight. A month after Narendra Gupta pleaded guilty in Fulton County Superior Court, LaToya and Terry got married. Their daughter Jordan is now seven years old. It was her twin sister, Jada, who died five and a half weeks after the two were born. My name is Jordan Davis. Uh, what city do you live in? H. Oh, I'm sorry. H. Well, how old are you? I am seven. You live? I live in Lawrenceville. Your mother and father name? LaToya and Terry. What year were you born? 2009. Okay. And I was bigger and <laughs> bigger and I was bigger and then I turned seven. I have a question. Did you do your homework? <laughs> yes. And you ready for your test tomorrow? Yes. You sure? I'm ready for my test. <laughs> Okay. It's a beautiful thing. Out of all the drama that we went through and that we've been through, out of all of it, we still have a beautiful child. 
I mean, that's why I say I don't regret my kids. I wasn't ready, of course. Um, but at the end of the day, she's here. I still wonder what our life would be if both of them was here. It took LaToya years to go back to seeing a doctor regularly. Her doctors are all women now. She doesn't trust men. And like the other victims, LaToya is still plagued by nagging regrets. I felt like, honestly, I let my guard down because I'm the one that found him. I'm the one that sought out for him. And I just let myself down and I didn't trust my judgment anymore. Thoughts come in my head like, okay, I should have punched him, ran out of the room, say call the police, whatever the case may be, and saved other patients who may have been in the waiting room waiting for him, you know, and made a big scene of it. But it's all about how you conduct yourself. I have a child now, and I have a daughter, and my job is to protect my daughter and to protect her from predators like that. So I have to honestly get myself together, make better decisions, make better judgments for her because she's going to approach that age to where she's going to have to go through the same thing I'm doing, and I need to make better judgments and decisions for her. But imagine... What if there were no regrets? What if victims weren't vilified? What if patient protection came before doctors' reputations? What if someone had done the right thing years ago? What if Marjorie Jacobs' bosses at St. Rita's Hospital had stood behind her, urged her to call the police, bad publicity be damned? What if after the North Fulton County school teacher reported a doctor rubbing himself on her during an exam, the police officer had sprung into action, run a deep web search on this doctor, then told his supervisor, we may have a problem here. What if, when they were children, all the self-doubting victims from this story had been given straight talks about what a doctor should and shouldn't be doing in an exam room, the things Crystal and LaToya are telling their daughters now? What if all women were taught this was wrong, all men knew this was wrong, and prosecuting attorneys had confidence that 12 jurors will know this is wrong? University of Georgia Law School professor Ron Carlson. I think it's, it's a, a happy and good circumstance that the citizens generally are becoming more sophisticated uh, and more knowledgeable about the fact that these things happen. A growing realization on, on that particular subject by the public and by the citizens who serve on juries will probably help in all of these sorts of cases as time goes along. I, I have an optimistic view. For now, though, we just have one more Predator MD still practicing. And in his wake, a lot of pain, a lot of trauma, a lot of guilt. And it doesn't end. I was sitting there crying my eyes out last night, just reliving it all over again. You just, you just do. Well, my doctors are female. I was really embarrassed and my self-worth was really low because of it. I really felt weak and I, f I felt ashamed that that happened. I don't trust a man. I don't know how, as far as a male physician. So yeah, he, he definitely did damage there. There are things that will trigger it. You know, like every now and then you'll think, oh yeah, that did happen. I'm doing really bad in school. Okay. Because of this? Actually, it's not in the past. It's just your trust, your bond is broken. You don't see yourself the same. If 36,000 people are seeing my postings, then it's a big deal. It's a big, important message that I'm able to get across to people. I have found uh, I have had very good success 
I have had very good feelings and and I can say You've been listening to Breakdown Predator MD by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The story was reported and told by Johnny Edwards, produced by Richard Hallix. Audio is by Chris Basta of Bare Knuckles Creative in Atlanta. Music was composed and performed by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. Additional music composed and performed by Chris Basta. Special thanks to Bert Roten, Sean McIntosh, Lois Norder, Buddy Hall, and Chris Nicholson. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.